everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to the natural intersection of transgenderism and Western European aristocracies. I am your peasant of a host, Jack, and thank you so much for tuning in today. So obviously today we are talking about rough birds, because episodes have titles. You already know. Also, right up front, I want to say I'm really, really sorry for my long absence. It was definitely not intentional. A lot of life has been happening lately that's completely prevented me from doing episodes for you guys, but I am back. And tomorrow, I am filming the first episode for the YouTube series. We'll see how that goes. It'll probably be terrible. I'll upload it anyways. <laughs> but I will release a mini-chode when that actually happens. So hopefully in the next, like, three weeks is what I'm planning. We'll see if more life happens. <laughs> anyways, now two episodes ago, I think I promised you guys that I would be doing this episode for the next episode, so actually last episode, because then I broke that promise and presumably unearthed some repressed trauma for you guys, or maybe less unearthed and more like desecrated the grave where you buried it, sacrificed a goat in a necromancy spell, and then embraced the zombie that I called forth. You know, just trying to do my part to ensure therapists are well paid. Speaking of therapy, let me give you guys some insight into someone crazy. Anyone who has sent me a message and I have still not replied, even though they're so kind and funny, I, I genuinely love them, I am so sorry. <laughs> if I haven't replied, it means that when you sent the message, I wasn't able to respond immediately. But then by the time I remembered to reply to the message, it had been too long and I felt bad about it. So rather than fixing the issue and doing something sane like replying, I just stare at the notification bubbles every time I grab my phone, which I'm a millennial, so like I think every 120 seconds. <laughs> and then I stress myself out about it for days to weeks on until eventually my anxiety is ramped so high that it's 4 a.m., I can't sleep, finally reply, and I wait for the cycle to repeat itself. So don't worry, it's not you. It's definitely, definitely me. <laughs> Maybe I should go to therapy more. You know who else should go to therapy more? Rough birds. That was a flimsy segue, I know, but I'm sticking to it because I'm not wrong at all. There is some wildly toxic masculinity in rough bird society. So first, if you don't know what a rough bird is, that's honestly kind of expected. Like. People don't just know what rough birds are, like kangaroos. So don't feel bad. They are a wader bird. So they're the kind of species that walks around marshes and mudflats and wetlands just kind of stomping around the sand to forage for food. And they're brown and around the size of a pigeon. And like a lot of birds, they display sexual dimorphism. So some male rough birds have a massive white plumage around their neck, which is actually where they get their names. Rough bird is because the plumage resembles a ruff, which I didn't actually know was a term until I started looking into this bird. I had never heard ruff. I always knew it as like, what is it? An Elizabethan collar. It's basically those like giant white collar fancy things that fancy people in the 16 and 1700s used to wear around their necks. Think like, you know, Shakespeare, you know? So somebody saw this bird walking around looking very fashionable and bestowed the name. Which, I, I guess I understand. I do see their logic in that. But also, imagine naming an entire species based off of the physical characteristics of only one of the sexes. Like, imagine finding out aliens came to Earth, studied our anatomy, and decided to call us the penis people. Or the titty terrarians. The testicular tribe. The fallopian folks. The scrotum sapiens. The mammary mammals. <laughs> Honestly, I could do a whole episode of just that. 
I just had a lot of fun trying to come up with little, uh, what's that word? Not allegory, alliteration, <laughs> allegory. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun doing that, but I also feel like I'm right. That's pretty fucked up. I wouldn't want to be part of the pecker person species. I belong to the clitoris creature. And actually their scientific name is kind of the same in that regard. They're called Calidris pugnax, which comes from the Latin word for com because a large majority of the males are super aggressive. So they're just the aggressive birds because of the males, which is not even remotely the most significant thing about them. And this is the part where I explain what is. So I mentioned a bit ago that rough birds are sexually dimorphic, which is honestly pretty typical for birds. You see it all the time. Like, I think it's kind of like their default. So think of peacocks and ducks and every single nature documentary where a neon colored bird with insane feathers is dancing for a plain one. So it is with rough birds. The females look like, I mean, a bird. They just look like your textbook, like that's a bird. That sure is a bird if I ever saw one, you know, just it's a bird. <laughs> but for the males, the level of sexual dimorphism depends on which male sex you are. Roughbirds have three different male sexes, each with their own unique genotype. So the most common one is called a territorial male. So that's actually where they get their names, the, or the scientific name, the Calidris pugnax, because these are the ones that are aggressive. And you can tell him apart because he has a large dark colored ruff around his neck and a bunch of bright orange warts all over his face. Which, I have to admit, if they're gonna mimic aristocrats by wearing giant ruffs on their neck, the masses of warts are a pretty appropriate addition. Although, the condom of choice back then was essentially a napkin tied to your dick with a ribbon, so you can hardly blame them for the warts. Anyways, the second type of male is called a satellite male. It's actually pretty similar in appearance to the territorial male, just a little bit lighter in color, except that its neck ruff is pure white instead of dark colored. But don't worry, he has the warts too. The third and last type of male is called a fader male. And they were actually only discovered in 2006, like super recently, despite the entire species as a whole being known for hundreds of years, like long enough for them to still think that ruffs were relevant, you know? Probably though, because only about 1% of the male population is a fader male. So super rare, and they're nearly identical to the females. And not just in a not sexually dimorphic kind of way, they're actually permanent female mimics, which is the first time that has ever been observed in birds. Since then, it's only been observed in one other species of birds. And by the way, before you start calling them pansies or something, like sexist or misogynistic or whatever, they have significantly larger testes than the other males, like two and a half times larger. And actually the way all of these bird sexes coexist is just so great to me. So. We're gonna explore that. Ruffs are one of the many, 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 many bird species who engage in lecking, which is the bird mating dance to summarize it super simply. But they just have to be even more unique. Unlike nearly every other lecking species, the males don't actually dance for the females, like you see in the nature documentaries. The territorial males set up a large arena, a coliseum, if you will, with a bunch of dudes. So it's feeling a little gladiator. And then they do a weird dance at each other, which is meant to intimidate them into submission by flexing your muscles through the art of dance, which 
is weird, but I dig it. I think I think I would be flattered if two dudes like dance fought over me, I guess. It's never happened. But eventually that kind of inevitably does exactly what you would expect, considering it's the rough bird equivalent of two douchebags in a bar screaming, you wanna fight? Eventually, yeah, someone's gonna actually fight you. So a lot of fighting ends up happening because I guess the dance fighting isn't enough and they need to resort to real fighting. Honestly, I, I feel like I need to watch Footloose. I've never actually seen Footloose, but I get the impression that I would understand this dynamic better if I watched Footloose. I think it might explain a lot. But that cesspool of hyper insecurity and testosterone is a female's favorite show. The more males at a Lek arena there are, the more likely that the ladies will show up to watch. So I guess it's just Gladiator again. Which is where the other two types of males come in. So around 84% of the males will be that territorial male I just described. The other two are pacifists. So while territorial males will happily fight any other territorial male with no punches pulled, like they just obliterate, it's, it's kind of messy. It's not great. But they will absolutely tolerate the presence of satellite males and fader males. So both of them can walk right into the middle of a lek, bird feathers flying everywhere, and no one touches them. If you guys have seen that cartoon, Brave, which was really, really good, by the way, that's, there's that scene where the, the kingdoms are all fighting with each other and there's just like a huge bar fight, essentially, and then the queen walks through the middle and everybody just kind of parts like the Red Sea or something. So all these just bodies flying everywhere, parting for the queen to walk through. That's, that's the same thing, sort of, enough. In addition to lecking arenas with the most men, females also prefer arenas with variety. If there are satellites and faders walking around, she's more likely to stroll in and see what's up and just kind of browse the racks of males, I guess. More stuff to look at. Which means even though there's sexual competition, it's to the benefit of the territorial males to have them around as his wingmen. Get it? Because they're birds. They have wings. Obviously, or I hope it's obvious, the most important rule of being a wingman is to not swoop in and try to have sex with the ladybird which is where these males break bro code spectacularly. At some point, the most dominant dance fighters will garner the interest of a female, and she literally walks up to this dude and presents her vagina. Well, her cloaca, I know, she's a bird, but saying that she presents her cloaca doesn't have the same, like, oomph. You get it. You guys get it. So while she's bent over, telling all the boys to come and get it while it's hot, first come, first serve, the satellites and faders jump on the opportunity to sneak to the front of the line, literally jumping on the opportunity. They jump onto her vagina, her cloaca, and get in there. And literally everyone is just on board with this. It actually seems that the females prefer breeding with fader males, even though they approach the territorial males. And on the other hand, the territorial males and satellite males mount fader males more often than they mount females before that gets dismissed as being an accident since the faders resemble the females so closely, they are absolutely aware that the faders are male because they will often willingly, consensually, be on bottom, letting the faders mount them, which is not ever a female behavior in the species, so there's no mistaking what they're doing. They're not thinking that they're getting pegged by a female. They are aware that they're getting pegged by a male. I don't think the term pegging still applies there. Anyways, they're aware of what's going on. They know what they're doing. They see a twink walking around and they like it. 
They like it so much that the faders can lure them away from the females so that after they mate and dude bro is spent, the fader can go back to mate with the females that the territorial male just abandoned. And just to add another layer to it, cause fuck it, we're already this deep. <laughs> the females like it just as much. Satellite males are tolerated because they boost the numbers of the Lecarina and they signed a non-aggression treaty to bring in more ladies. Fader males are tolerated and rewarded, I guess, because homosexual activity also brings in more ladies. I get the sense that the females would write a lot of fan fiction if they were literate and had thumbs. But the important thing here is that everyone is happy and consenting and thriving. So no judgments to be had here. Except of course the toxic violent dance fighting, that I'll judge, that needs some therapy. But I am on board with the sexy times. Everyone's consenting, everything is cool. Now before I bounce and set up that therapy session I mentioned earlier, I wanna say thank you to my amazing patrons. I appreciate your support so, so much. And I was so happy to donate your pledges and match them to the Trevor Project, which I uploaded the receipt for because, you know, ethics and stuff, that's important. And thank you so much if you stuck through the entire episode of listening to me get giddy about weird shit. You're the best. I upload new episodes every other week. When life doesn't fuck that up for me. Which it did, but now I'm back to the schedule of every other hump day, new episode. Love you guys, bye. <laughs>